my mom standing out there, very near term. I was born on the 26th. This was like the 24th. And she like senses something's going to happen. And then she noticed the lake is shaking. Uh-huh. And then there's an explosion, one farmhouse down. Uh-huh. And apparently they were, they were cooking meth. <laughs> Some neighbor was cooking meth there. It exploded. It ruptured the small dam. The lake started draining. And she goes into labor. Presenting Kai Davis. There's so many different dimensions that this could grow in terms of. It's only by focusing on one that I could get good enough to learn about that audience and see the ways it can change. That's my guest, Kai Davis, talking about the importance of focusing on an audience instead of a tool set. Kai is an outreach consultant whose career path has gone from flipping iPhones on eBay to advising multi-million dollar brands. I spoke with Kai about his journey towards finding an audience focus. I'm Philip Morgan, and this is the Consulting Pipeline podcast, where we talk about building your consulting pipeline through positioning, education-based content marketing, and marketing automation. So uh, we'll start with the question, Kai. Kai, who are you and what do you do? Sure. So my name is Kai Davis. I'm an outreach consultant in Portland, Oregon. I work with brands that sell products online and help them generate more sales. Nice. So I want to help listeners understand where you are in the process of defining your your business focus. As of today, what audience or industry vertical do you focus on? What do you offer them? And how do you differentiate yourselves from others doing something similar? So right now, I'm making steps towards being very defined in my business focus, but it's not as crispy or well-defined as it could be. Right now, I'm focusing on retail e-commerce companies, typically companies that are using Shopify as their e-commerce platform. And I offer outreach consulting services. And that means I help my clients get more traffic to their website, which helps them earn more revenue and generate more sales. And I've differentiated myself from competitors or other search engine optimization or link building consultants primarily in two ways. First, in all my messaging and marketing, I try to be focused on the outcomes that my services help my clients achieve. I want to understand specifically the destination we're both traveling towards Mm -hmm. and how my services can help us get there. Second, I'm focused on relationship building, not just mindlessly seeking more links for my clients. Mm -hmm. The days of being able to blast 500 or 1,000 low-quality spammy links and seeing a website's rankings increase overnight are done. I'm focused on helping my clients build relationships with communities and ecosystems in their industry Mm -hmm. and turn those relationships into more traffic, more sales, more links, and a better image for their business. So again, very outcome focused. Right. So let's wind the clock back. Tell me how you got started uh, working for yourself. So I started off as a, call it a generic everyman marketing consultant back Mm -hmm. in 2010, 2000 or 11. I was working with anybody who wanted to hire me on any sort of product or project that they wanted to hire me for. There was no differentiation. There was no competitive advantage there. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just me saying, hey, you're hiring for a marketing project. I'm happy to work for you. Was that a strategic choice? Like, I'm going to cover a lot of bases and get a lot of business that way? Or or how did you end up operating in an undifferentiated fashion? I'd say there were primarily two reasons. The first is I had just left my day job and was focusing on consulting as the income producing uh, path I was taking. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know enough to differentiate myself. I felt, well, I put the shingle outside the house and people will walk by and say, marketing, I need some of that. Give me three marketing things. And 
I'd be in business. And it, it worked well. I was able to support myself and I haven't gone back to a day job since. But from the get-go, I could see that clients treated me as a commodity. If I'm not, if I wasn't differentiating myself, it was so easy for them to say, well, he's a marketing guy. There's 10 dozen marketing guys out there. There's nothing that makes him special. So why pay a higher rate? Why listen to his advice? He's the hands and arms or the hands and legs, not the brain. We'll right. find that somewhere else. How did that come out? Because I'm imagining that that's not what they said to you. They didn't say, Kai, dot, 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 what you just said. How did that show up in your in your interaction with clients? Primarily, they would hire me for projects mm -hmm. instead of helping them solve problems. So it would be, we need somebody to do A, B, and C. Here's the standard operating procedure. Go do it. Not, we want to grow in this direction or we have a challenge. How can you help us get past this challenge? The other main way it showed up was when I would make strategic suggestions, they'd say, that's great. Do it the way we said anyways. That <laughs> there wasn't any acknowledgement of, the value I could provide because in my own marketing or in how I position myself to clients around these projects, I wasn't differentiating myself as somebody who could provide that strategy or provide that value. If all I'm selling is commodities in my store, nobody's going to come to me and say, we need an elegant solution. They're going to say, we need some screws, sell us some screws. And uh -huh. if I say, well, do you really need a deck? Maybe you need, you know, an awning. They'll say, no, 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 no. We need screws. Stop talking. Interesting. Now, was this something you were conscious of back then, 2010, 2011 timeframe? I was. I was conscious of it then, but I didn't know how to exit from it. I had just left a role as a, the director of marketing for a large construction company where mm -hmm. I was heading up marketing and the strategy behind the sales team. So I was used to working with the executive officers in the company, executives at other companies, and really driving forward the strategy we'd use to differentiate ourselves, position our products, position our services, and land new clients. So mm -hmm. I was used to coming into a project and saying, like, this is great. Here are four ways we could improve it. And when I followed that same tack forward, they'd say, why are you suggesting this? Or <laughs> they'd acknowledge it, dismiss it, and we just run into conflict that way. The other way I could sense it was whenever I tried to justify a higher rate, mm -hmm. I'd be met with incredible pushback from my clients. I'd say, well, I feel like my value is X, Y, and Z. And X, Y, and Z at that time was $40 an hour. Nothing majestic by any means, mm -hmm. but... Even then I get pushback with clients saying like, oh, we really only want to spend like 20 an hour on this or clients saying, great, we'll do 50% up front, 50% at the end. And then it would take me two months of harassing them, stalking them, messaging them on LinkedIn, sending them emails, calling them to get the other 50% of the payment because I had labeled myself as a commodity. They felt it doesn't matter if we pay him or not. He's somebody's kid cousin or he's just somebody generic. It doesn't really matter. Interesting. So how did you start to change that? You, ha you had the first step which I think is awareness. People become aware, oh wait, maybe there's another way to, to do business or maybe I can actually change this by changing how I do business. Mm -hmm. So w when did you start to make changes and start to do things differently? I, I'm a bit ashamed to say that it only really happened within the end of 2013 to now. So only over the last year have I really started focusing my business and identifying the value I'm contributing or even positioning myself as a specialist or a strategist with the clients I work with. And the payoff has been amazing. I have three to four X the rate I'm able to charge and more than increase the value I deliver just by be, being more focused in my marketing. First of all, it took me far more than two years to make the same move myself. Okay. It took me like five or mm -hmm. six years. So I know it feels slow. 
but uh, let's just say it was slow. Why, why did it take a while? I didn't know what to do. Okay. And I, when I started to see hints of, well, there's other people who are specialists out there. They aren't just calling themselves a marketing consultant. They're saying, mm-hmm. I only do link building or I only do SEO or my focus is WordPress website development. I was so afraid. I felt that because I'd only worked with a few clients across the board. You say like, hey, there's 10 different things. Maybe I worked with one client on each project. Mm-hmm the monkey mind in my head kept saying like, well, if you say you only do SEO, you've only worked on one SEO project in the last year, that means there's only one person who will hire you in the next year. And Mm -hmm. that fear was crippling. I felt like if I chose to niche down and just focus on a specific audience, I'd be taking a flamethrower to my income. Who were your guiding lights or your inspirations? Or who did you see talking about themselves as a a narrow expert that that you saw it working out for them? The three main sources of that were watching Ramit Sethi's approach on how he built a brand, Mm -hmm. reading some of the books by Alan Weiss, specifically Mm -hmm. a million dollar consultant in value-based fees, and reading the book Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Each Mm -hmm. one of them contributed a little bit towards my perspective on the value of differentiation and the value of saying, well, this is specifically what I'm good at. And just mm-hmm. because I'm putting the flag in the sand and saying I'm the SEO guy today doesn't mean that that brand can't evolve over time to encompass other aspects. But for today, this is the area I'm focusing on. This is what I'm choosing to be great at. I think you bring out an interesting point, that idea that this is not a, a permanent choice for the rest of your life or the rest of your career. Mm-hmm. But it is a choice. And for those of us who are used to take all comers kind of, um, uh, you know, business development, it, it, it's, it's a scary choice, right? Mm-hmm. The, the flamethrower feeling. <laughs> so did you ever meet anybody or interact with anybody personally who was doing this, you know, this focused specialist thing? I'd met a few other consultants and entrepreneurs who were focused, but mm-hmm. they were more focused on implementation or tool set. So the metaphor I'll use is, they were people who said, I am the best person when it comes to using a hammer. Right. If you need somebody to use a hammer, if you need somebody to do PPC, I'm your guy. Or pay-per-click advertising, I'm your guy. But I didn't meet anybody who said, like, I am the go-to person when it comes to fashion e-commerce. Or I am the go-to person for this industry focus or this audience focus. And mm-hmm. it's only over the last few months that I've started to see that as the preferred way to niche down. I could be the go-to person when it comes to using a hammer. Or I could be the go-to person when it comes to a craftsman house. And I think focusing on a craftsman house or focusing on that specific audience is more valuable. It's easier to find people to work with and you aren't a generalist with a hammer anymore. So let's talk about that. You're kind of talking about tools versus outcomes again, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's better about focusing on outcomes? I think, and I'd elaborated a bit to focusing on outcomes and audience. I think when mm you make that choice to focus on an audience, it's easier to reach your people. Even now, as I look at how I want to focus on an audience in 2015, it's easy for me to say, well, this is the community I want to target. Oh, I could see 15, 15 sites online or 15 sub communities within that community online. I know exactly where to target my marketing message. I know exactly who to speak to when I write copy or when I position my services. And it makes it so much easier to know where to invest my marketing dollars or invest my time. Mm -hmm. One example that comes to mind is 
I always love coming on podcasts like this and talking about my experiences and how I work with clients. And most of the podcasts I've guested on over the last year have been focused on a freelancer audience. And it's only in the last month that it finally clicked to say, well, if the audience I want to market to is more e-commerce focused or fashion focused, when I go on to a freelancer podcast, I'm not speaking to the people I want to buy my services. Mm. And just by making that realization, it's so much easier to say, well, do I want to appear on this podcast? Well, does it align with my audience? If it does, perfect. If it doesn't, there might still be value there, but it's easy to decide, is this marketing that will help my message reach the best buyer, reach that ideal person in my mind? If it is, head and heart are aligned, let's go full forward. If it's not, it allows me to pull back and say, well, is this the right spot? If not, where should I be focusing? I just turned down an invitation to another podcast because after reviewing it, I was like, well, he has an audience, but it's much more general. It's not really focused to entrepreneurship or mm-hmm. online marketing. Do I want to invest the time to come on here? I don't see how it helps me make another sale or helps me consolidate my message. Right. So you're focusing on an audience and what you can do for that audience, right? Yep. Uh, do you find yourself feeling weird when you think about hanging out with this audience versus hanging out with your peers? Is that uncomfortable? Absolutely. And it's uncomfortable in the same way that it was uncomfortable when I first decided I'm a freelancer or I'm a consultant. Mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't deserve to sit at the table with the big kids. Like (laughs) they've been playing this game for years. Who the heck am I? Right. And just because I've gone through that before when it comes to starting my consulting, my consultancy, it's easy for me to say like, okay, like I might feel a bit of an imposter syndrome right now, but I know that will fade over time. I know Mm -hmm. that the best way to feel like I belong at the table is just to show up, write a couple articles, talk with a couple industry leaders. And mm-hmm. I, I've been amazed, uh, guesting on a couple podcasts that are focused on search engine optimization and link building. I've had people who I admire as very successful consultants in this space contact me and say, hey, like, let's set up a monthly call. You're doing great work. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm literally here <laughs> pretending. What do you mean? But especially when it comes to an audience, the longer I pretend, and uh, pretend is the wrong word to use there, but the longer I act as if I belong, the more I will belong. So if anybody's right. listening to this and saying, man, I'm afraid of niching down to a specific audience, it, it feels uncomfortable, it feels like a new pair of clothes. But once you wear that new pair of pants three or four times, it'll feel like your normal pair of pants. You just have to get through that uncomfortable period. Yeah, and I can imagine that feeling of like, I don't belong in this crowd being even more intensified if your if your audience is like fortune 50 companies <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and you and you're trying to break into that but that's not really the the case i think with most people making that decision about um focusing and and getting specific it it's probably an audience they've already had some experience working with right and that's the exact way i've looked at consolidating my audiences. I just routinely look at, hey, what projects have I worked on over the last three months? What Mm -hmm. audiences do these people belong to? And if I see a thread there, it's easy to say, well, you know, 50% of my projects have been with fashion companies. Does that mean I've unwittingly become somebody who specializes in online marketing for fashion e-commerce brands? Maybe Mm -hmm. so. Why not double down on that and see if it clicks? Again, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It's not like it's going to be tattooed on me as like, I am the fashion e-commerce SEO guy. For the next three months, maybe that's how I market and brand myself. If it doesn't click, I could pick something else. Just like if I decide I don't want to do outreach consulting anymore, I change a couple words on a website, I take a week off, and 
I'm whatever I want to define myself as. How do you do that? How do you uh, set up an experiment, uh, you know, a positioning experiment or a branding experiment? And how do you change when, when you're not happy with the results? How do you, I mean, how do you personally do that? Personally, I've just done it by putting the flag in the sand and saying, this is now what I am. When I decided to refocus my personal brand or the business brand from search engine optimization and link building to outreach consulting, I just went through my website and changed it, changed my email signature. And whenever somebody was like, so what do I introduce you as, or what's your title? I just started defining myself as an outreach consultant. And mm. if I decided that, you know, this isn't a fit anymore, I just go through those exact same steps. I could label myself as whatever I want. Similarly, when it comes to an audience, if I decide that for the next six months, I'm going to focus on fashion companies as my audience, it's just updating a couple words of copy on my site. And when I ask somebody for an introduction or ask somebody for a referral saying, hey, you know, my ideal client runs a fashion e-commerce store. They probably mm -hmm. use Shopify. Do you know anybody like that? And mm -hmm. it might feel uncomfortable to be that specific, but I contrast it with, hey, I want to do some more marketing work. Do you have any people who need marketing help? It's, <laughs> it's so soggy. It's so vague. I couldn't even think of somebody in my network who could use that. But if somebody said to me, you know, my ideal client sells information products online and is looking to grow their business from five to $10,000, maybe they write about freelancing or consulting. I could think of five people like that who could use a consultant like that in their lives. By being more specific, mm -hmm. it's easier for people to introduce me or refer clients to me. And when I change that specificity, it's again, updating some content on the website, updating how I introduce myself or how I ask people to refer clients to me and see what happens. Maybe it'll click, maybe it won't, but it's literally a $0 bet with a huge payoff. Two questions about that. And then I, I want to circle back to an earlier topic. Um, how do you know it's clicked? And it seems like, yes, it's a $0 investment, but what if it has some kind of blowback with current clients who feel like you're dropping them? Good question. So for that first one, how do I know it's clicked? I'd say if I start picking up clients within that audience, if I, let's say, let's say January 1st rolls around and I decide I'm focusing on fashion retail companies who have an e-commerce store. Right. If over the first month or two months, I'm able to pick up a couple clients in that area or related to that area. Well, then I know it's clicked. I know that my marketing message is true. The value I'm providing aligns with the value that they're seeking and the outcomes I'm promising are the outcomes that they're searching for. If after one or two months, nobody really is coming towards me or nobody is responding to that marketing message. Just like any marketing investment, I might say, oh, hey, this was a good try, but it's obvious that this isn't working for this audience. How could I tweak it or change it? Or should I instead be marketing to another audience? Right. How do you deal with the fear of I'm threatening my existing business by trying something different? Th that fear actually has never popped into my mind. And okay. I'd say that if somebody is afraid of that, your past clients don't necessarily need to know how you're marketing yourself now. If I, I have a couple of clients who run software as a service businesses. Mm -hmm. And if I decide that come the 1st of January, I'm marketing myself towards e-commerce clients who run, who have fashion brands. Well, the SaaS companies I work with never are really going to know that. They probably aren't checking my website every day or reading my newsletter. They're just working with me and enjoying it until I explicitly go to them and say either, hey, I'm letting you go because I've decided to consolidate my business along this path mm -hmm. or say, hey, I'm, I've loved working with you. I want us to continue working together. I have another slot available. This is the type of client I'm looking for, a fashion brand who has an e-commerce store. They're not really going to know about it. So 
if somebody's listening, I'd say don't worry too much about your existing clients being chased off until you explicitly decide to share that with them or mm. chase them off. Yeah, Alan Weiss in actually it's in probably a number of his books because he's a master at that repurposing content, but he talks about how to involve existing clients in changes. So rather than saying ta-da, things you weren't looking and things changed while you weren't looking, you um you can involve them a little more uh, closely in changes and probably end up not losing them uh, even if you're making a, a relatively large change in your business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So and that's another good place to look for um, best practices about doing that. And I actually have a client who is outside the e-commerce and outreach focus I have right now who I'm helping with a project like that where they were saying, we want to attract more clients out of the 10 different people we've worked with over the last year. These three are who we want to attract more. So I'm in communication with those clients and understanding, well, what led you to make the decision to work with my client? What let what other people were you considering? What value did you see there? So even though I haven't implemented this within my own practice, mm -hmm. it's something that I see value in for any other consultant, just surveying your past clients and honing in on, or surveying the past clients you want to attract more of and honing in on what contributed to that decision to work with you. What value do they see? How would they describe the satisfaction they have? And then repurposing that either in your marketing messaging, the copy on your website, or how you communicate with future potential clients, just to better understand what was attractive about you. Yeah. So how do you get access to an audience that is not in your peer group? So, you know, if you've chosen a focus, you know where the buyers for your services are hanging out, either virtually online or, or in person, how do you, you know, how do you get access? So as I've decided to focus more in on e-commerce, I just started Googling e-commerce forum. And I found a couple of paid communities online where it's just e-commerce store owners chatting with each other about their business. It's, I think, $50 a month to join. So it weeds out the tire kickers. And mm -hmm. I've been in there for three months and mostly lurking. But it's just been fascinating to be able to read the questions that they're sharing, see the language that they're using, and see the outcomes that they're searching for. And as I contribute more and more, within that scope, I'm able to solidify my brand in terms of what they're looking for. So as I look at 2015 and say, well, I really want to start being active in these communities because I know it'll help my marketing and my positioning and my branding, just seeking them out and saying, I'm going to start acting like I belong here because I'm paying the entrance fees. I'm paying the dues. Either there's some magical person out there waiting to anoint me to belong, or <laughs> I just show up and start doing. And yeah. I'm more likely to say, hey, I just show up and start doing, and we'll see what happens. That's great. Yeah, I had never considered uh, the difference between a paid um, private community and, a, and an open community. But yeah, what you're saying about the tire kickers, that's huge. Any, it's been amazing. Any other ways that are on your, your favorites list? Uh, for me, it's been easier to say I want to niche down to a specific audience by looking at the past clients I've worked with and saying, well, I've worked with some people like this already. Let's either get them on the phone or just look at those old emails or look at that type of project and see what I could pull out about commonalities and similar threads. So I don't know if right now I'd pick an audience that I had never worked with before. Mm-hmm. If I was interested, I can't even think of like a hypothetical pretend audience here, but if I was interested in working with a new audience that I had no experience with, rather than focusing my branding on it first, I'd probably try to seek out those communities online or in town and say, well, I want to land one or two of these people as clients so I could better understand what it's like to work with them. And 
if it is a hit, if it's a successful project and interesting, then start focusing on how I niche down my marketing just to speak to that audience. Right. Have you had any moments where you just said, oh no, that, that was a mistake? <laughs> uh, sort of, but only retroactively where even now, when I look back at the last year, I'm like, okay, great. Business has been wonderful. Why the hell didn't I focus down more aggressively earlier on? So it's been an oh shit thinking like, why did I spend the last two years just messing around and playing at this? Mm -hmm. I wish I had chosen to focus on an audience earlier on since there's really no wrong focus there. Like if I had to contrast the experience of picking a wrong audience or not picking any audience, I think, man, you're going to be better off even picking a wrong audience and pretending towards it for a little bit, just because it'll allow you to more aggressively seek out the communities of those people to market yourself to. So right now I look at 2014 and say, man, it's been wonderful. My business has grown by leap and bounds. But even now, I mean, my messaging and my introduction is I'm an outreach consultant, not I'm an outreach consultant for fashion companies. I wish right. I had made that choice a year ago. What benefits have you seen uh, that you can attribute to becoming more focused? I can charge more money. I work with much better clients now. Uh, I'm focusing my business on executing a few similar outcomes for similar types of clients. So it allows me to gain mastery and experience instead of working on an outreach project for a fashion brand and then a software as a service company and then a consultant where it might be a similar outcome but radically different implementations. As I'm more focused, I'm able to work on very similar projects and become more efficient. It takes me less time to generate the same outcome. Similarly, it's much easier for me to say no to a client. Mm -hmm. I could always make an exception and say, well, you aren't a fashion company, but I'd love to work with you. But so often somebody will work with me and if I don't have the focus, it's hard for me to say no because I guess they kind of fit into my generalist approach. Mm -hmm. Being mm -hmm. more focused lets me say, hey, you know what? You have a wonderful business, but I'm only working with this type of client right now let me refer you to a colleague who might be able to better assist you. Have you gotten bored doing the same thing or something very, very similar over and over again? I've had a couple consultant friends who are very much generalist in their approach, say a similar thing to me, like, man, I could never niche down. I just I expect I'd get so bored. I like mm. my generalist practice. And I found the exact opposite that by choosing, call it monogamy with an audience, by choosing monogamy with an audience, it's been so much easier for me to experience joy on working on similar projects. I get below that surface level and, I, level and I'm able to say, well, let me really understand how this type of projects works, how this audience works with me, how their audience works with them. It's been more exciting the more I niche down, maybe because I'm not skipping from project to project, audience to audience, and instead mm. can say, this is exciting, this is interesting, let me become a master here. Mm. That's interesting. Are you concerned that you've pigeonholed yourself in a way that's going to come back and haunt you down the road? No, no, I'm not concerned at all. I feel I could always back up and pick another audience to mm -hmm. focus on. Like, uh, here's a wonderful example. So, uh, Ramit Sethi runs the site, I will teach you to be rich. And right. for years he was Ramit Sethi. Uh, uh, I think I'm mangling his last name, a uh, financial blogger. Mm -hmm. And he wrote about how to get the best interest rate, how to choose an IRA, how to choose a 401k. And that is just such a narrow focus. And he's been able to take that and turn that into, I will teach you how to lead a rich life. And financial witness is just one part of that. So right. I look at my own practice and say, well, yeah, I might be choosing to focus in on fashion e-commerce clients and outreach consulting right now, but there's no reason that I can't 
evolve and grow from that focus to something else, either vertically in terms of the services I provide to fashion e-commerce clients or horizontally in terms of the different audiences that I provide e-commerce consulting or outreach consulting to. There's so many different dimensions that this could grow in terms of. It's only by focusing on one that I could get good enough to learn about that audience and see the ways it can change. Hmm. So what advice would you give people who are in your shoes the way it was back in 2010, 2011. Uh, you had some work experience, but you were new to freelancing, right? What advice would you give yourself, <laughs> you know, as of that time period in your life? When you exit from, so my experience was exiting from the day job to working as a consultant. And I felt, well, I don't have any differentiator there. I don't have any experience, mm -hmm. which is kind of crap because I had years of experience working as an employee in a couple of different industries. It'd be so easy for me to say, well, I actually have three years of experience in software consulting. Mm -hmm. Great. I could pick this as that industry. So don't be afraid to pick an audience early on. Mm -hmm. It's stronger to pick an audience early on, even if it's just saying like, this is the most attractive audience to me. Now I get to go out and hunt down the first two projects within that audience to prove I belong as a consultant to that audience. So the earlier you pick, the easier it will be to communicate what your differentiators are and communicate who you want to work with. Nice. Well, thank you, Kai, for talking with me about Focus. How can people find out more about you? Three excellent ways. They could read my writing about outreach consulting and link building at kaidavis.com. That's K-A-I-D-A-V-I-S.com. They could subscribe to my weekly newsletter at kaidavis.com forward slash newsletter. And they could ask me anything they want about consulting or marketing or outreach consulting at kaidavis.com slash advice. Fantastic. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on here. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of the Consulting Pipeline podcast. Thanks again to my guest, Kai Davis. Again, you can find Kai online at kaidavis.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at consultingpipelinepodcast.com. I'm Philip Morgan, and I hope to see you again next time.